name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Leland Mack, scout with the Prince George Cougars. Bringing a number of scouting roles to the table, Leland is a sharp individual with a strong passion for the game, making for an overall elite hockey mind. The conversation today goes through his career, topics in the industry, and furthers our understanding of scouting, coaching, and hockey operations in general. With that, here's Leland Mack, scout with the Prince George Cougars. Hockey fans, we're definitely excited this time of year because the season's moving along and we're really pushing towards the playoffs. But for fans of baseball, grab your peanuts and popcorn because baseball is back. That's right, teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week. And last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement, and this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. But hey, if baseball isn't for you, Don't worry, because DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. With millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Leland Mack, scout with the Prince George Cougars of the WHL. Leland, thanks for joining the podcast. Great to be on the show. Yeah, I uh, I always love getting scouts on and, and being from the East Coast, a lot of my contacts are from this way. And, uh, you know, you being a West Coast scout and, and with a West Coast team, it just offers another demographic and allows us to learn a little bit more about scouting in that area and, and the league itself and different experiences that you've had. So let's dive right into it and learn about you starting off. Maybe tell people a little bit about where you're from growing up, playing sports and just a general overview of you as a person. Sure. I grew up in Northwest Calgary. Uh, huge hockey fan, obviously. I was lucky to grow up uh, on a street in West Hillhurst um, in Northwest Calgary, where the street was twice the size of a normal suburb street. So that was awesome for street hockey. So that's where a, a love of hockey grew, as well as my grandpa had a backyard rink that we play on every Sunday, which was definitely where hockey, the love of hockey grew even more for me, which was great. And, you know, growing up, it was hockey in the winter, baseball in the summer and all sorts of sports throughout there. Um, I started going to school, college at uh, Mount Royal in Calgary and took every class possible. Um, and then I sort of had an opportunity to go to, to school out in Vancouver. And I thought, you know what, why not? Like, like let's move out there and, and see what happens. And, and, and I already had started coaching at 22 years old in Calgary and, and, and hockey, the love of coaching and the love of getting involved in sports in a different way was there. So, so that's where my sort of love for hockey grew, and that's what took me to from one place to the next. Yeah, the the passion for the game can really haul you all over, and um, sometimes you kind of just gotta bury your head and, and make the move and, and see what happens. And um, you know, I understand having the the water streets. We have some of those out this way as well, and it allows you to, to get some pretty good road hockey games, and and you know, even shooting pucks around the winter. So, um, great to hear you had those early experiences and were able to take that next step to pursue your passion. Looking at schooling, one of the things that you were able to do during that time was actually pursue sports science, um, you know, in a couple of different uh, schooling options there. Just talk about the decision to go into that area and, um, you know, your schooling experience overall. Yeah, like I said, I went to Mount Royal and I, my parents were, were very nice and they let me take 
any class that I wanted to take. So I took philosophy, psychology, astronomy. Like I just took every course possible with no real plan. And that's when around the same time I started coaching hockey and started really loving hockey. So I just started searching the internet, seeing if there's any sort of coaching specific program anywhere. And I noticed that in Douglas College in New West out here on the West Coast, they had a sports science coaching diploma program. And I thought, you know what, like, might as well make the move out there and, and, and try and focus more on that coaching and getting a diploma and that. So I, I, I got in, I made the big move out to Vancouver, uh, took, took a couple of years there, got my sports science diploma, learned a lot, met, met a bunch of nice people. And, and along that same track, my coaching career started going up and up and moving from level to level to level. So I figured, Hey, let's, let's just stay out in Vancouver and I'm still here. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great place. You know, I, I had a chance to go out there a few years back and, and love the city and, and the area overall. And, um, you know, whenever you can fuel your passion in, in your schooling, I think it's a, it's an opportunity that you always want to take. And a lot of people maybe are a bit hesitant to go in that direction early on just because they don't know about job opportunities. And as everybody knows in the sports world, especially in hockey, maybe even more so, it can definitely be a grind trying to find positions and, and make ends meet. But you're able to do that and then also get involved in the coaching and one of your early coaching positions was with the Vancouver Giants, um, you know, the minor hockey program as an assistant coach. Talk about that early experience and maybe what you learned. albeit you know, you had a couple of different opportunities before that as well. Yeah, for sure. So I played hockey my whole life, but I never played at a, a super high level. So, so like I said, I really had to grind on, on whether it's going to school or just putting in lots of time to sort of gain that experience and, and gain that reputation. So uh, I was lucky that, uh, I met a guy named John Calvano, who was the coach of the Vancouver Northwest Giants. And he asked me if I wanted to be an assistant coach. And I was like, yeah, like, let's do this. Like the year before I was at home at Calgary at Christmas watching the Max tournament and Northwest Giants were playing in. And I remember saying like, man, if I could coach one team in Vancouver for midget hockey, it would be the Vancouver Northwest Giants because they were really good every year and they had all these good players. So I got to jump on board with that team. And it was awesome. The first year we had uh, Jordan Wheel, who plays for Montreal. He was a unbelievable player we had a great record we got to go to the max tournament i got to experience coaching top level players and 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 we had an unreal year we like only lost two games or something like that except well, we kind of blew it in playoffs but trying to forget about that and and that experience of being around those high level people and those high level athletes was amazing the next the next season with northwest giants we had ryan nugent hopkins on the team as well as colton sissons and just being around those those kids when they're developing and just one step away from junior it was just it was just unbelievable like someone like ryan nugent hopkins was was such a great kid and such a great person and so talented like we ended up going to the max Midget final that year and we lost in overtime which still stings but it was it was just so many great experiences and, and getting to to be around high level high high level athletes and around that same time i started doing more skill development at burnaby winter club and i always remember the first skill development session I ever helped out with was the Burnaby Winter Club Adam AAA team. And, and I, I went on the ice and there was these two kids that were really good. And one of them was named Matthew Barzell and the other one was named Dante Fabro. And I remember thinking like, wow, how are these, how are these kids that are nine or 10 years old? So good. And, and they loved hockey and the session would end and they would stay out on the ice for as long as they could. And, and that's where I kind of went like, wow, this Burnley Winter Club is a whole new level of hockey and commitment to hockey that I'd never seen before. And it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get to work with elite players, and especially you can tell some of those players, obviously, Barzell and Fabro, two NHL players with Nashville and the Islanders, um, you know, you get to see them even at that age, just perfecting their craft and really building towards something at the next level, which a lot of kids maybe take a little bit more time to kind of see that bigger picture. So uh, no doubt that they would go on and, and have that opportunity. But as a coach, you're able to interact with these players on a daily basis, a number of different athletes that you mentioned. Uh, and again, it fuels you to kind of move forward in your in your passion for the game and see what else is out there. And soon after, you would take a head coaching role, this time with the Greater Vancouver Canadians. Uh, just talk about that position and maybe how your approach changed, you know, in a head coach role this time around. We, you know, I felt after the two years with the Northwest Giants, it was great experience. And I got to be a head coach at a BC Cup, which is like the U16 pre-draft tournament. And uh, that experience of being a head coach, I felt like, you know, hey, like, I, I think I think I can do this. So I applied for the Greater Vancouver Canadians. I ended up getting the position, which was exciting. 
So then, but then I had to refocus my mind where it wasn't the Northwest Giants where you were just packed with talent. We didn't have as much talent, but but it was but it was an exciting adventure, right? The first year we had uh, Troy Stetcher on the team who plays for the Red Wings now, and, and and we had some good years. I coached there four years. We we had some really good teams and some really good pairs players. But yeah, being a head coach is definitely it's definitely a lot easier being an assistant coach. You just throw out ideas and don't have to worry about cutting anyone or making any harsh decisions but when you're a head coach you know the, the eyes are on you the parent the parents are on you and and it, it, it's a great challenge but it, it was also a lot of fun right we also got to go to the max tournament and and that was a great experience and we had some great teams like the first year like i said troy stetcher was on the team and he was an amazing kid and a great great player that year the next year our goalie was tristan jari who was you could see he was going to be a, a a pro player just the way how composed and how talented he was in that um, which was which was amazing, and then those four years with the Greater Vancouver Canadians, you know, we had some great battles, and and the experience was great. We met great people, and it was just it was just being a head coach in that league. It was it was the only league around, and all the best players were in it, and it was just it was so much so much great experience and so much so much learning learning from the players and learning from for me as a coach personally. Yeah, the coaching experience is is all about learning, especially at the minor hockey level, and. Everybody thinks obviously you're you're doing what you can to help the players and fuel the players. And at the U18 level, uh, there it's it's a little bit of a different approach. But at the same time, you're still trying to push them to that next level. And um, another way you can do that, obviously, is the skill work. And you hinted at that a little bit earlier with the Burnaby Winter Club. Um, you know, coaching the Elite 15s and doing some work there. Just talk about some of the players that you had the opportunity to work with in that capacity again, and uh, just talk about uh, maybe that experience for your own development as well getting into the skill development was was great there's a lot of positives you can get out of it and as long as you're doing it the right way and and being around like i always say everyone comes through burnaby winter club eventually so the amount of good players i got to cut to be around that are playing in the nhl now was just was just exceptional like we did a camp one year and in it was brendan gallagher and ryan johansson and ryan nugent hopkins and it was it was just to, to be around those players and and not that I'm going to have some big impact on them just to be a see them at that point and maybe give them a little tip or two here was just such a cool experience. And, and then even go on with the ice with older players um, that were in the NHL or near the NHL. It was kind of like, wow, like, am I really out here with these guys? Do I deserve to be out here with these guys and, and stuff like that. And the skill development, obviously it's taken off and it seems like everyone's a skill developer, skill developer now or have, has a company, but those experiences of skill development and, and I still do a little bit to these days were, were great and being around, you know, I ha- I've had some groups of specifically 01 players like Sasha Mutala, Henry Rubinsky, who are NHL drafts, where I got to kind of coach with them in the spring three or four years in a row. And it was it was great experience getting to know those players, giving them little tricks and tips here or there and really building that bond and, and, and focusing on that. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to hear about these elite programs and the Burnaby Winter Club is one that a lot of people will know. And um, if you don't, I definitely uh, advise listeners to kind of look into it a little bit more because like you said, the talent that, that goes through there is uh, is very elite and some of the best players out that way uh, will tend to go through that program. But you know, for you, again, you're able to interact with these players and all these elite players. It's another learning opportunity and skills work is a little bit different than the general coaching position. Just there is a little bit more technicality involved but um you know maybe it leads to future opportunities in scouting where you can identify different things and we'll definitely mm-hmm. get into that as well moving forward but another opportunity i wanted to talk about is your time with bc hockey you know you said you had a, a coaching experience there before moving into your head coaching role with the vancouver canadians and i know you worked as a lead evaluator and a couple different things with that program so again definitely having a lot of players go through bc hockey with it being the the governing body there just talk about your experience with the brand and some of the things that you took away from those experiences to date. Well, like I said, again, without a uh, junior hockey career or pro hockey career under my belt, I really had to volunteer and do as much as I can to get myself out there. So I started in 2005 as a uh, what they call a group leader with a BC hockey evaluation camp where you just basically take the players from the school to the rink and kind of babysit them. And I remember on my team that year was Evander Kane. Um, and then I started really started with, with a group leader. The next year I got to be a coach where I got to coach in the BC Winter Games, which was a cool experience. 
And then I got to be a head coach in U16, and, and I stayed as an evaluator for basically every year up until a couple of years ago. Um, and they ad- eventually they decided to branch off into a U15 program and a U16 program, and and they put me in charge of lead evaluator for the U15 group, which was actually a, a really great experience as a scout, where my job was to coordinate all the provincial camps, make sure there's scouts and evaluators at each one, and then combine all those lists and pick the top 120 players to, to go to BC Cup. So that was a great experience. If, if, if your job, if you want to be a head scout or a, or a director of player personnel, that type of job was, was great experience working with BC Hockey and being able to identify talent and figure out, you know, if the best player in Prince George is similar to the, you know, eighth best player in the lower mainland or in the Okanagan. And that, that experience was, was really great for three years. As well, I with it, I got to help out with the evaluation of the U16, which they go to a tournament called the WHL Cup for Team BC as well. And I coached, I coached Team BC, ended up three times, twice as an assistant and once as a head coach. Um, I coached assistant with the 98s with Fabro and Jose were on the team and Dylan Coughlin, who just played for Vegas. And then I did head coach with the 2000s. And then this past year I did with the 2004s, I did assistant coach with Team BC, which was a cool experience at the WHL Cup. But yeah. I didn't have a great playing experience, so I had to just volunteer and volunteer and volunteer thousands and honestly thousands and thousands and thousands of hours just to build contacts, to build experience. And you know what? It was worth it. Yeah, I uh, I definitely appreciate anybody that goes through that grind. I always tell people I'm a house league player and, and a bad house league player at best. So, um, you know, <laughs> as, as someone work, I work in the OHL, obviously you in the WHL, but uh, you know, I still appreciate the amount of work that it takes. And a lot of people really don't understand um, just how many hours and volunteer hours for the most part um, are involved with kind of breaking into the industry and moving up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Another opportunity I want to talk about that you went through is with Delta Hockey Academy, uh, one that I'm not as familiar with and maybe listeners might not be as well. But um, in other, any case, just talk about that position with that brand and uh, give us an overview of the academy overall. Sure. So it was while I was coaching Major Midget with the Greater Vancouver Canadians. So this was before academies became teams. This is when the academies were just the, you know, you went to school and instead of gym, you went on the ice with a bunch of different players from a bunch of different teams. So I was lucky enough to get that was kind of my day job. And then I volunteered as a Major Midget coach at night. But I started off with Delta and a couple other academies around the lower mainland. And Delta was was a great experience. It was run by Ian Gallagher, who's Brandon Gallagher's father and was the strength coach with the Vancouver Giants. And and the ability to be out with these top players and during the, just the thought of going on the ice during the day at the time was just amazing. Like, you, you know, everyone, everyone else is in school and these kids get to go on the ice. So that was a great experience. And one of the best parts of it was every, every week I got to go on the ice with Don Hay and, and just push pucks for him for a whole whole year i think it was every tuesday i got to go on the ice with don hay and he he would run drills and we would talk before the practice and after the practice and just experiencing something like that was was just unbelievable and and that just the little tidbits you get from him every day is from his coaching mind like he's a master coach that was that was really cool and that was a great experience which sort of led me into coaching at the bernie winter club academy yeah don hay definitely a, a name that a lot of people will recognize and Again, if you don't recognize the name, I highly suggest that you uh, you look it up because, you know, so much knowledge there and um, being able to learn from someone like that and, and in the middle of the day, again, a lot of people understand that's, uh, that's a privilege for sure, being able to get on the ice during the day. It's uh, usually early mornings and fighting for time in the evenings. So great to hear about that experience overall and being able to have kind of a mentorship role in that capacity as well. But let's move into the WHL now. Your first experience was with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Again, let's just talk about how maybe you got to Seattle and the initial transition to scouting in the WHL. Sure, it's a it's a good story for for all those people wanting to work their way up. I I was a hockey nerd and I was scouring the internet and I looked on every single WHL team's website to see if they had contact info for any of the scouting staff or coaching staff. And the only team that did was the Seattle Thunderbirds and their head coach at the time was named Rob Subner. And I just emailed him like, Hey, like I'm a young coach here in Vancouver. Just want to know, you know, if you have any advice or anything like that. And 
for the next couple of years, we would email back and forth and he would send me these real thoughtful, uh, detailed emails about practices or coaching or tips or whatnot. And that was great. And then one day out of the boo, he just gave me a call. Hey, it's Rob Sumner. We're looking for a scout in Seattle. At the time I wasn't, I was more focused on coaching, but I thought scouting would be a great experience for me. I, so I said, yeah. And I jumped on board. I got in my car, drove to Seattle for camp that year. And, and that's where I started sort of developing my scout scout side of thing which is definitely a different mindset than coaching is and learning that side and seeing the behind the scenes from from a whl perspective was it was a great another great eye-opening experience for me yeah i always uh, love hearing the how you kind of get into scouting and generally on the podcast we'll hear it comes from building relationships and even in that capacity making that uh, connection to the team it wasn't really at you at no point were you asking to become a scout. It was more so just, I want advice and uh, wonder if you can offer some, you know, different thoughts on coaching practices, things that you guys would talk about and it kind of builds into something bigger. And now you're a scout with the organization and, um, you know, moving into today, you're now with the Prince George Cougars, same league, obviously on the other side of the border this time, tell us how you kind of moved into Prince George and then just talk about your experience with the team to date. Well, the, you know, I was with Seattle for 10 years and it, it was amazing. We won a championship and, and the organization uh, flipped to two different owners and, and the owners were, the, the new owners were amazing and the new GM was amazing, but I really wanted to see where I could, if I could move up the ranks in scouting and, and Prince George reached out and said, they're looking for a, you know, for a little bit higher role. And I thought, you know what, it's, it's sometimes good to change things up, learn, learn a different organization, learn how they tick and, and Prince George had a whole whack of draft picks coming up. So I thought, hey, let's let's give this a try. And, and I got to meet Bob Simmons, who's the uh, head scout there, and Mark Lamb is the head coach and GM. And, and we had three first-round picks the last year, and it, we're super excited, the future of the Prince George Cougars. And and sometimes, you, you know, you just got to change for the sake of changing, and that's basically all it was for me, a little bit bigger role and, and, and trying to build something kind of from the ground up with Prince George, which was awesome. And, and still should be awesome going forward. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't realize. You know, sometimes you can be in a position and, um, you know, the hockey industry changes a lot and sometimes a different staff. And sometimes it's just a matter of looking for a new opportunity. Maybe you've kind of grown or outgrown the role that you're in and you're looking for maybe a different perspective or a different opportunity. You know, Prince George had a lot of draft picks. Obviously, as a scout, that's something that always excites people. And mm-hmm. uh, people have been on record all the way to the NHL level saying that it's tough when uh, you look at the first three rounds of the draft and you guys got no picks. But for you, it, was, it definitely sounds like it was a great transition and, you know, a, a great team again in Prince George. A lot of people will recognize the, the organization as, uh, you know, the WHL is a, a top tier league in that area. Moving into some maybe different opportunities and some more reflective questions here. One of the experiences I wanted to talk about briefly is your time coaching Team Calgary inline. I know it's a little bit different than the ice hockey scene and a little bit different in that capacity, but maybe just talk about the sport and even how that opportunity helped develop your thinking early on for for coaching and future opportunities. Yeah, I, I was a young coach and I I obviously rollerbladed before, but I'd never played inline hockey. So I was working for a company and, and the company was combined ice hockey and a combined inline hockey. And the guy that ran the company said, Hey, you want to, you want to try coaching inline? And I thought, okay, I don't really know anything about it, but sure. Um, so I started that same year, that same summer, I played inline and I, and I coached inline and definitely learned a lot about the game. There are some differences from ice hockey and then was fortunate enough to be picked as the head coach for team Calgary to go to the Alberta summer games which was a which was a cool experience we went we we uh won a silver medal or lost in the gold medal game and and that i don't know that was just it was a great experience because i realized you know these these kids they are, they love hockey but then they're also this whole different world of inline hockey which is which is a whole different world and to see the game to see the subtleties and the nuances that make it different from ice hockey i think just made me a better coach overall and helped me and I still think about those. I still got the picture up in my room of that inline team and in, in, with Team Calgary. And just, yeah, there's little subtle subtle differences between inline hockey, and I'll never forget it. And I think of it quite often, actually. Yeah, I, I was very interested when I saw that uh, that position on your resume and always like learning about the different things that you can haul into the game of hockey. And maybe even in another sense, like sledge hockey, something that I'll kind of look into every now and then just to see how the game is played, differences in, in tactics and things like that. And maybe it's something you can haul back into coaching in, in general ice hockey or 
um, inline hockey, you know, it's not as big out East uh, or in Newfoundland anyway, but still another thing that I'll look to every now and then to see how it's played and tied into the game of ice hockey. Another question for you, um, as you hinted at before in the Western provinces, uh, prep school and academy hockey is kind of uh, overtaking in, in some places, the minor hockey scene, it's a little bit different in the draft process. For those who aren't as familiar with a lot of those teams in that loop, uh, just talk about the degree of hockey with a lot of those academies and uh, just a general overview of um, the kind of the system for minor hockey in that area. Sure. So like you said, it's it's grown a lot since academies started popping out around here in 2009. Um, now there's tons of tons of teams. So the basic model is you go to school, you train during the day, you stay as a team, you go on the ice during the day, and then you go and play the other like-minded uh, schools, sports schools, and, it, and it's really it's really grown and grown and grown and grown where the players and the parents, they want to be in that environment where they're on it, on the ice every day. They're getting that skill development and then they're getting those that great gameplay and and those those top top people and those top high performance athletes. They want to be in a model like that. So that's really exploded. And with the with the Bantam League or U15 prep, as it's called now, it's it's an awesome league to coach in. I've been fortunate enough to coach in it the last three years and Every every game you're playing against guys that are going to be future stars in the in the WHL and 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 pro. You know it's 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 such a cool league uh, to play in. There's so there's it's such high high competitive games and to go all those major tournaments and and people really like that academy model because it's just so focused on development. Yeah, development really is the uh, the main focus at that level and it should be anyway. So um, when you have a process like the academy style, which is really built around getting on the ice, small um, area, skill development, these all these components that um, you see lost in minor hockey sometimes, but it's definitely been growing in the in the last couple of years. And it's great to hear that um, the system in the Western provinces has, has worked as a result. Looking at another area, uh, Seattle, obviously you spent 10 years with the Thunderbirds and were able to, uh, to win a championship. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, just talking about the city of Seattle and that area as a hockey community, um, maybe for people who are interested in Seattle crack and what are your thoughts on Seattle in terms of its hockey fandom and how do you see the team transitioning there in the next couple of years? Well, it's going to be awesome. Um, I, I could speak for, for any of the U S divisions in the WHL, their fans are amazing. Being able to go down, you know, it's only a three hour drive from Vancouver driving down to, to watch a Thunderbird Portland Winterhawks game. Unbelievable. The fans are going crazy. The Seattle fans are yelling, Portland sucks. They cheer. Every little, like, push, every fan stands up wanting a fight. Like, they're they're so passionate about hockey. Every person I notice at a Seattle Thunderbirds game, they just wear any hockey jersey. They don't necessarily wear a Thunderbirds jersey or a Portland jersey. They just wear whatever hockey jersey they have because they support. They support. And, and I found that with Seattle, whether it's the Mariners or the Seahawks or the or UW, they they love their sports and I, I think the Kraken will be be in really will have great fan support and it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. It's a great it's a great sports town and the the hockey the love of hockey out there will just grow and grow and grow. And it'll be interesting to see how the minor hockey grows in Seattle because of that. Yeah, I really think that's something that a lot of people forget about and you see it so much in junior hockey when they're tied into the minor hockey loop that um you know, it's not always just the success of the junior team, the minor hockey impact, and you're seeing players come out of these communities. It really is tied into the team. So anytime you can get a, a high-level high hockey team like the WHL in Seattle, it's great. And uh, when you throw an NHL team on top of that, you can only imagine the the growth of sport and um, with that, the popularity in that region. So I'm sure like we're seeing down in some states like Arizona and these places that have grown over the years, I'm sure Seattle will be another hotbed and, you know, the WHL will be even stronger as a result dealing with the unique WHL draft. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge. It's a year younger than say the OHL and some of these other leagues deal with, uh, how often do you find yourself having to kind of adapt your, your mindset in, in trying to figure out, okay, how is the development going to work for this player and just dealing with the unique nature of the draft, maybe give some people some insight to that, uh, where possible. Yeah. Your, that's what your mindset has to be. Your mindset is what is this player going to look like when he's 18 and 19? in comparison to the other players which is tough because they're 14 when you're when you're when you're watching them play so you know obviously you're looking at hockey sense skating all all the all the normal skill elements but 
but generally you're also looking at other things like uh, is, are their parents big are their brothers big if if size is everything that if size is not everything but if size is important then you're then all of those things matters as well as maturity off off the ice and, and it is tough it is tough drafting 14 year olds and projecting what they're going to be as 18 year olds but you know, if you if you watch a good player and he's a good player, he's probably going to be a good player when he's 18 years old, if not better. There are late bloomers, the guys that are smaller or, or haven't quite hit their hit their uh, hit their stride yet, which can make it tough. And but I think, you know, you you take all the factors you can and, and project. And if you're right, awesome. If you're not, then you just say, "Hey, I was wrong," and you move on. <laughs> yeah, essentially, that's that's the way it goes. And. Um, luckily in junior hockey, you got a lot of draft picks and, and a constant, uh, flow of players coming in. And, uh, we don't see the billions of dollars or millions of dollars, I should say, vested in NHL hockey, but I always love hearing people's thoughts on that draft process. And as everybody knows, uh, the three CHL leagues do have a little bit differences between them, QMJHL, um, being a different draft than OHL even. And, and obviously with the West coast having their own style, but a lot of great, uh, points there and just dealing with that draft process. You know, I think 25% of the WHL is is unlisted or listed players, sorry. So that's players that didn't get taken in the draft, improve, get better, and then end up making the league. I think it's like Shea Weber, Jerome McGinley, like these all guys are that, you know, so not getting drafted isn't the end of the world for, for a young athlete. It's just get better, develop, and if your goal is to play in the WHL or the OHL or the Q, as long as long as you stick with it and develop your game, whether you're drafted or not, isn't isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like in a place like Ontario, for, from my own experience, you know, you see so many players, um, you know, having capabilities of making that next level. Like, even though it is a big draft, there has to be a cutoff somewhere. So I'm sure there's always a, a short list of players that you wish you could have drafted that simply you just run out picks. So it's great to see when a player really takes that initiative and kind of use that maybe undrafted status to to fuel their desire and fuel their passion. And you see that development and um, then, you know, you see them breaking in later in the league and going on even to the NHL in a lot of cases. So um, a great point there, just talking about the the draft process and how not being drafted in that first, you know, go at it isn't always the, the end all be all that a lot of people maybe make it out to be. You know, you've been able to scout, obviously, in, in your current role, but have had a lot of coaching experience, skill development, and then in the team setting. Uh, a lot of people will create a connection between the two, but as you even mentioned earlier, there are a lot of differences. So just talk about maybe the, the relationship between coaching and scouting and how you lean on both maybe in the other capacity. I definitely think there's a different mindset for coaches versus scouts. And I, and I, and having been experienced at both, I definitely see the difference coaching, although you're trying to develop players uh, with a long-term mindset, generally it's a short-term mindset where, you know, if you talk about a player on the team, and you ask the coach how he's doing, their response might be dependent upon how good they played last game. <laughs> Where, you know, hey, how, how's this guy? Oh, well, he didn't get it out in the last period, so I, I hate him right now. Where as in the scout mind, you're always kind of projecting players. Well, you know, he's going to be a good player two or three years from now. So being able to take both those mindsets where you're always looking long-term as a sort of scout mind and projecting he's going to be a good player. He's still got to work on a few things. But he's going to be a good player where a coach mindset is more normally like, what have you done for me lately? And they might not see like, yeah, he's going to be a good player. They're kind of just more like, I need him to be good today. I need him to be the best four checker today. And if he's not, then I'm going to say he's bad. And and Or if he scored the goal, then he's the greatest player I've ever seen. And you should draft him in the first round where, where a scout mindset is generally sort of long-term focused and kind of not not jumping to conclusions based on one game or one shift or anything like that. Definitely. I think if you're uh, in a scouting capacity and you got that last game before the draft and a player scores a hat trick and you throw him into the first round, um, you know, unless it just have, so happens to be one of the top players, you're going to be in trouble if you're keeping that uh, short term mindset in the draft process. But definitely coaching while you are trying to evaluate the whole year, there is situations where, um, you know, a player can go on a streak and you're kind of giving them some more leash in that sense. And essentially, that's just um, with the long term goals of both coaching and scouting in mind. And um, great description of the relationship there as well. You've been able to scout in Seattle and Prince George, one being the Canadian WHL team and one being an American team. Uh, do you find the draft process ever different? And obviously, as an area scout, you might not be as involved in the recruiting process, but 
Uh, does it change your mindset even a little bit, just having that different location and looking at players maybe from the U.S. or, or from Canada? Uh, a little bit. I'd say when I was with Seattle, uh, mostly the parents would be asking questions about how schooling is different. Um, you know, going from a school in Regina to a school in Seattle, how, how the curriculum would be different, how the classes would transfer, stuff like that. They're always curious about um, but I think, you know, if you're, if you're with Seattle, you're, if there's an American player, you, you, you're excited. And especially if he's a local kid in Washington, you're excited by that. Prince George, same idea. If you can get a player from in Prince George or near Prince George, that's a little bit more exciting. But other than that, I mean, it, WHL is an awesome league no matter where you're playing. So I don't think, I don't think it's, it's that big of a factor besides the little things like parents asking about school and stuff like that. For sure. I think that's something that I, I like to ask just to give people's opinions on the topic. But uh, even in the last couple of years, you know, the we're seeing players go all over and um, in Ontario, it could be an example of northern players kind of going different places and being recruited, not so much just the northern teams as we've seen. And I'm sure in the past, Prince George, people may have believed that, OK, you're playing Prince George, you want to be from that area. But obviously that's exciting. But you're seeing players just go to the programs now and uh, I think that, again, hints at the, the growing level of CHL hockey and the WHL specifically um, with those programs. So another thing I wanted to talk about before we get into some other questions here is the experience of winning a championship as a scout in a WHL team. Uh, you know, every position feels a little bit different. I know I was able to be a part of a Kelly Cup championship, but as an intern, it, it has a different feel than, say, being a, a head coach or or someone that's really involved in different areas. So maybe just talk about the experience of winning as a scout and some of the feelings that you had around that time. Sure. My first five or six years was, we weren't very good. <laughs> we would lose to Portland. It felt like 10, three, five times a year. Um, but I, I'll never forget it. I was going for a walk in Port Moody where I live in 2012 and my head scout, Colin Alexander sent me a text saying we won the lottery. And I remember thinking, wow, we're going to be able to draft Matt Barzell first overall in the Bantam draft. And, 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 you know, I thought this is going to change our, our, our team and our organization for the next few years. And that year's draft, we drafted Matt Barzell, number one. We drafted Keegan Colazar, who's with Vegas now, and a later pick in the first round. And then we drafted Ethan Bear with, a, with an early pick in the second round. And that was really the core of our team that, that gave us the championship five years later. So it started with a day in May winning the lottery in 2012, and it culminated in 2017 with a, with a WHL championship. And I always remember that the year before in 2016, we lost in the final to Brandon, and we knew we were a good team. And then that next year we thought, you know, if, if Barzell doesn't make the Islanders and if a player named Ryan Gropp doesn't stick with the Rangers AHL team, you know, we're going to be a really good team again. And we added a few pieces and, and we, you know, Went blew through Tri Cities in the first round, beat Kelowna again, made it to the finals again, and I remember going down for a game. Uh, I think it was Game Three, Regina and and Calgary, or uh, Regina and Seattle, and we lost, and we were down two one, and I was sad driving driving back to Vancouver, and then we ended up winning two winning two more, and then I remember watching at home Game Six against Regina. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were down three one in the middle of the third period, and I thought, man, a Game Seven like. I don't know, but like this is going to be tough. You know, they had Sam Steele and some other good players, and we got a power play goal and make it three two. Then we tied it three three. Then it went to overtime, and and our team that year was was so deep and so well balanced. We had Barzell on the first line, an amazing second line center named Scotty Enzer, and then our third liner was named Alexander True, who's played a little bit in the NHL with San Jose. And, and I'll remember like he went down the wing, chipped it by, took a shot, a bunch of, like a Regina player like slid into the goalie and. True was just standing there with a wide open net. So you kind of thought, wow, we're going to, and he put it in the net. And I, I almost hit the ceiling. I jumped so high, you know, it was so, it was so exciting because like I said, we were, we were, we were a weak team for, for a bunch of years. And then to be able to, to, to get and climb the mountain and get to the final and then win that championship was so exciting. And as a scout, you know, you're not a, a huge piece of the organization, but you're a small piece, but you're just so excited for all the, your scout brothers that you've been scouting with, with the team for so long and so happy for the organization. And it was, it was, it was a really cool moment and, and one I'll never forget. 
Yeah, a great piece to uh, to kind of remember and, and very vividly by the sounds of it. But, um, you know, people always see the thing with scouting is, again, like you said, even you, you were there for a number of years and you had that key draft. And then it's a few years down the road when you see the success, you know, a scout's kind of impact on a team isn't seen overnight. A lot of times it is four and five years down the road. And uh, even at the highest level, especially at the NHL level, where, uh, you know, it can be a little more cutthroat and obviously people move around and move positions. Um, a scout's work might not be uh, really evident, you know, in the team's success until maybe two or three years after they've left the organization. So, a cool story yeah. about the little impact scouts can make is that year in 2016 17, we had a good team, but we knew we needed to add maybe a third or fourth defenseman in the depth chart. And I was coaching BWC at the time, and we went to watch a WHL game in Calgary. And there was this big defenseman named Aaron Hyman that played for the Hitmen. And he and I was sitting front row with our team watching the game. And he kept coming down and I kept thinking, like, he's the type of player that Seattle would really like and would make and be perfect in that 3-4 role in that team. And I sent our GM, Russ Farwell, a text saying, hey, you might want to look at this Hyman guy because he's because he's pretty good and I think he'd be a good fit. And that was I left it at that. And then two weeks later, I was scrolling Twitter and then, boom, Seattle Thunderbirds uh, – acquire Aaron Hyman in for who I don't even remember who it was for and what's cool is he ended up being one of the players that got an assist in that game winning goal in game six of the WHL final so again that's a small way a scout can make an impact go suggest a player to your GM maybe it was a difference maybe Russ already liked him in the first place but then he was added to the team and then he was a big part of that championship goal so that's kind of a when I think about scouting I think about the small impact that a scout can make which ends up being a big impact, just a little thing like that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it can be a game changer. And like you said, who knows if he was on the radar before, but um, maybe it was that suggestion that ultimately brought him in. And, uh, you know, anytime you can win a, win a championship at that level, uh, you're going to make the moves necessary. So a great story there and uh, probably inspire other scouts to kind of speak up when they see a player as well. You know, moving into a lot of the positions that you've had, it's been through connections and people you've met and, yeah, I always feel that uh, making connections and making networks is a great way to move forward in the industry. And the people at my hockey resource feel the same way. They're a community on Discord and they have coaches, scouts all over the world um, involved in talking about different topics and asking different questions. So for anybody looking to create more connections and kind of interact with people in the hockey world in this capacity, be sure to check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram. Leland, one of the things they talk about a lot on there is the different resources that they like to learn from. It could be books, um, you know, programs, articles, different things like that. For you, what are some of your favorite resources that you like to learn from or just look to for new ideas? Well, I got a lot of those. Um, I'd say one of your sponsors, Instat, was was a game changer for me. I've spent hours and hours and hours, especially during COVID, just nerding out on Instat. And I think as a scout or or a coach you can learn so much from from especially the platform that instat provides being able to think of a prospect or a play, or an nhl player go to their episode search sit click you know anthony sorelli puck battles last three games and then watching 10 minutes of that like i, I you can get so much about of it and you can learn so much i felt like when i started uh replace or helping out video scouting with my regular scouting i think i became a 20 percent better scout so, so Instat would be a big one. Um, I think the coaches site is, is a good one too. And, and a personal story is, is the, the coaches site founder, Aaron Wilbur. We worked at an Academy together forever ago. And I remember one day him saying, Oh, I'm starting a hockey coaching website. And I went, Oh yeah, cool. And then it ended up being the coaches site, which is a, which is a great area. I think there's lots of good articles as well on the athletic from many different sports. You kind of have to dig, you know, if, for those really good articles, but if you do, there's some there's some gold stuff in there. And that, those are for sure. And I'm always reading books and, and trying to get better. There's so many different things out there. And uh, definitely Instat, uh, a great platform. And the coaches site as well. Uh, ironically, they both work together in a lot of capacities. So a lot of information sharing going on there. But um, yeah, the coaches site really is a, a thing that I look to as well to learn from. And uh, so many books, articles, a lot of things even outside of the game of hockey that can be tied back in and, and really fuel your passion and fuel your knowledge in that area. Moving into your personal connections, you've talked about some people who have helped you along the way and um, maybe show you the ropes in different capacities. So once again, as I ask everybody on the podcast to do, 
talk about some of those key mentors who helped you in the game and what are some of the major lessons that they taught you collectively? Sure. In Seattle, our head scout was Colin Alexander. He's a scout for Pittsburgh Penguins now. Um, he was a great men, um, great mentor and learned the sort of scouting ropes and what that's like as well. Our GM, Russ Farwell, had a, has a ton of NHL experience and, and WHL experience, and he was a great sounding board and would give his opinion and learned a lot from him. Um, and then with, with Seattle, like, or with Prince George, like I said, Bob Simmons and Mark Lamb, I've learned a lot. And only that couple of years I've been with Prince George. But I mean, probably the, the biggest couple would be one of my best friends is named Kevin Peterson. He's a scout for the Arizona, Arizona Coyotes. We talk every day about hockey and, and we're two of the biggest hockey nerds you've ever seen. And, and we're talking every day, every day, every day about hockey and scouting and this player and that player and, and what we like and who we like. And we definitely learn a lot from each other. Um, you know, I, I got the chance to a real good mentor of mine is named Paul Fricker. He's a goalie coach for the Vancouver Giants. We met when he was a goalie coach for the Seattle Thunderbirds, and he was an awesome impact on me. And 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 that's and that's what it's about. I, it's it's great when you can give ideas and get advice. And, and like I said, uh, the old Seattle uh, coach that hired me. Um, Rob Sumner, he's the director of assistant director of amateur scouting for the Calgary Flames now. So I send him a text here or there to get to get to connect with him and see what he's up to. But you can't make it, especially like I've been saying, like not having a super pl- playing background. You definitely need to reach out. You definitely need to connect with people, and they definitely need to uh, appreciate what skills you bring forward. So that those types of people have been super important for me. Yeah, great to hear that you've had those connections and. I just want to add the fact that a lot of times, uh, you know, these connections obviously go on to be successful. You mentioned a few NHL uh, personnel and people who are still working in the junior scene. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you meet these people, they're just average people looking to get in the game and maybe very much earlier in their careers. I can remember scouting with the scout.ca and I believe we had eight scouts on our staff and, um, you know, just trying to learn from them and, and none of us having any team experience. And then, at the end of the season, three of us went to the OHL and one went straight to the NHL. And now you find yourself having a, a next level uh, network of connections just from a earlier experience that maybe wasn't in that same uh, caliber of, of scouts and names. So um, great to hear that you've been able to build that network. And I'm sure every day you're meeting new people. And I'm sure when COVID is done and we're able to get back in the rinks, it's going to only grow in that capacity, uh, especially with scouts. I know it's a uh, a great social event at times and amongst the work as well. Looking into the final question here on the podcast, a lot of people are always looking for that piece of advice to help them move into maybe a coaching capacity or get started in the scouting industry and kind of build their way up into hockey operations. From your experience, what's one final piece of advice that you would give in hopes that somebody would be successful in these areas? Go to the rink, you know, take COVID out, uh, but get out to the rink. You know, if, and, and watch games and be in the rink and people will notice like, Hey, that guy's always watching games. That guy's always scouting. He's always involved with something. Get involved with as much as you possibly can and, and just grow, you know, 1% better every day, you know, and, and that's, that's all you can do. And, and I think that would be my best advice. And what I've done personally is I just did as, as much as I could possibly do involved with hockey and, and try to get better and enjoy that in the moment as you're doing it. Yeah, tremendous piece of advice. Just get out there as much as you can. Put yourself out there. Um, If you don't know things, simply ask and put yourself in front of the right people to learn these aspects. And who knows, maybe down the road, you'll be a a WHL champion and, uh, you know, getting to work with some of the best players in the world. So Leland, I just want to thank you again for joining me today on the podcast. I always love chatting hockey and, and especially scouting and coaching and some of the experiences that you've had. So I wish you all the best moving forward and hopefully we can get back in the rinks here soon. Thank you very much. You guys got a great podcast. I go out on walks all the time, throw in a Hockey Minds podcast, and and love all your guests you've had. All right. I really appreciate that. Take care. Thank you. Support for the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada, and for those listeners in Canada, and I know there's a lot of you, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Everybody has had that experience where the trimming has not gone right, and we want to change that. 
So get with Manscaped, who has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave, and the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. Throw in one of the coolest features, which is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quad stroke technology, and let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud, because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB, and if you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HockeyMinds at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code HockeyMinds. It's time to shave those balls, eh? I'd like to once again thank Leland for joining me on the podcast and talking about his career in the game, which has a large coaching influence as well. Being from the East Coast of Canada, I found the interview provided a lot of information on the West Coast system, so for shedding light on that as well, I'd like to also thank him. If you would like to get in touch with Leland to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact Hockey Minds Podcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Andrew Boucher, scout and video coach with the Ottawa 67s. He has a lot of experience, having jumped into a few different sports to date, so keep an eye out for that release. Thanks again to everyone for listening to the podcast and for continually sharing our content on all platforms. We are happy to announce that this episode will soon be on YouTube as well, so be sure to check out our page and subscribe for more content moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.